Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The central questions that we are involved with uh, in Sufism and that we're involved with, with our Shaykh, are common to all civilizations and to all cultures. There are stories in Hinduism, in Hasidism, in Sufism of men who get to the point where they ask the question, why am I here? Why am I doing this? What's the purpose of all this? The Sufis have an interesting way of going about teaching the answers to those questions. And if you go to Konya, which is where Rumi, Jalaluddin Mevlana Rumi lived, uh, they have a mosque there and uh, they have a museum there and they have a what they call dioramas. They have an area where they have set up um, portrayals of what it was like to be there. So they have uh, mannequin-like things in a kitchen showing what the kitchen looked like. They have mannequins in an entrance. And one of the things that you see there, and then there's a little explanation plaque, uh, when you come in to join the group, or you, you're uh, an apprentice, let's say, or a novice, and you come in, you take your shoes off, and your shoes go into a certain place. They then uh, get to know you, and examine you, and spend time with you. And if you're allowed to stay, your shoes stay in the same place that you took them off. If you are asked to leave, they don't ask you to leave, they just put your shoes in a different place. And that means you can't come back. And what is it that they try and teach the novice in the early onset of his experience with Sufism? What are they trying to convey? And in Turkish, it's called adeb. And that means courtesy. There are tremendous rules as to courtesy and to the interaction between people in the Darga. The Darga is the Sufi monastery. And if you can't conform to this kind of behavior, you can't stay within the group. And what does conforming to this kind of behavior mean? It means that you have to enter into a, a profound sort of etiquette. For instance, every time they shake hands, they kiss each other's hand. Every time they pass one thing uh, over to another, for instance, if you're passing a spoon to somebody sitting at the table next to you, you would kiss the spoon and hand it over. Everything involves 
uh, a kind of elevated etiquette and kindness. And if you can't enter into this elevated state of etiquette, you can't become part of their group. And it has to do also with the way you use language, uh, with the way you interact, and with the kinds of things you talk about. Um, a Sufi doesn't gossip. A Sufi doesn't talk about other people. A Sufi doesn't get angry, uh, at least not in front of other people. Uh, there has to be a control that you have of yourself and of the way you act. And this control of the self is necessary in order to begin the process of tremendous change that Sufism is trying to bring about in people. If you can't control your tongue, how are you going to control your anger? If you can't control your anger, how are you going to sit still in the presence of God? If you don't have control over your mannerisms, you won't be able to break the veils that separate you from the truth. And what's the key to that? You can control your mannerisms if your attachment to your mannerisms is not overpowering. But if your attachment to the world is overpowering, then you can't control your mannerisms. Because what goes on in the world becomes so incredibly important that you have to react. And one of the great lessons is learning how not to react. But if reaction happens spontaneously within you, and you can't control the need for that spontaneous reaction, you can't do what's necessary to do to become a Sufi. The uh, Prophet, may peace and blessings be upon him, in one of his last talks said, we have to beware of the impostors. And within the world, there are many people who appear to be one thing and are another. And it takes time to discover who these people are and what their true motives are. But we can't worry so much about them. We have to worry about ourselves. And we have to be sure that we are not imposters. We have to take the guidance that's been given to us by the Sheikh and incorporated into our being as if it were the law. So you have the Shariat, which is the basic Islamic Orthodox law 
about things that you should and shouldn't do. But then, there's another level of etiquette and another level of self-restraint and another level of demeanor that the sheikh tries to teach you. And if you're in the presence of the sheikh, you get to see what this is like. And what you see is there's a constant kindness. There's a constant ingratiating other people to him. There's a constant flow of love that comes from the seat of the sheikh. And it is given to everybody. When the sheikh is in his room and you are with him, you see that he doesn't treat people differently. He treats everybody the same, whether you just came to him or whether you've been there for years, whether you are one of the people who's important in the community or just someone peripheral. They're all given the same kind of respect and the same kind of treatment. And the one of the things that you notice is here is this elevated being giving respect to every being without condition. And you can tell it, you can tell one of the things by the way he addresses the gatherings in front of him. He starts out with, children, gems of my eyes. You and I who have been born together into this world. So he creates an equality between himself and the ones around him, even though in reality that equality is not quite there. The end result is what he is looking at. So he's looking at everybody's potential and he's addressing that potential. He's looking at everybody's reality, which is that you have Allah within you by way of your soul, and he addresses that portion of you. So he is capable of bypassing the difficult parts that each of us have and addressing the positive parts that each of us have. And our job is to be able to let go of the negative parts that we have and build up the positive parts that we have and to create a situation within ourselves where we control our behavior so that it stays within the realm of positive and nurturing and kind and loving without outbursts of anger or hastiness or hatred. If you hear a Sufi say, I hate him, you know he's not a Sufi. He's one of the imposters. Sufis don't hate. They have gotten to the point where they've transcended individual likes and dislikes, where they've transcended 
praise and blame, where they've transcended reaction to what other people do. Now, in the world, uh, one of the maxims is tit for tat. If someone does this, then I do that. And this is how the world acts and reacts. As a Sufi, one needs to learn not to react. And this learning of not reacting, this learning of how not to react to inflammatory situations is a big part of the learning. And so that's why at Mevlana's Darga, in Mevlana's uh, uh, monastery, the first thing that was taught was manners. And if people couldn't act mannerly, they couldn't stay. So, this elevated level of being uh, within uh, people, this elevated level of interaction where etiquette and kindness are penultimate in our approach to others is incredibly important and we have to learn to act in that way and that's why when you have a real group of lovers there's never outbursts there's always kindness and when the outbursts happen and they of course happen it's because someone can't control their emotional self can't control their reactive self and control is a large part of this path did you ever see a tightroper a tightrope walker they have an enormous amount of concentration and if they lost their concentration uh, the results are disastrous um, recently someone was walking on a tightrope across two buildings in Times Square and it took about 40 minutes so for 40 minutes they were in a incredibly precarious situation and that precarious situation required immense concentration well if we're trying to maintain an equilibrium of correct action and we're a novice in a darga and we want to stay and that staying there is very important to us we're in a precarious situation we're in a situation where if we don't act correctly we can't become part of this group and being part of this group is incredibly important to us now the interesting thing about Bawa and the way he reacted was he was incredibly kind and forgiving so no one really had to worry about being evicted 
from the group. Over and over and over, he would forgive inappropriate action. Over and over and over, he would treat with kindness acts which were not kind. And for us to be able to get to that point, to treat with kindness acts which are not kind, is a certain level of transcendence. And we have to be able to understand that that kind of transcendence is what se separates ordinary man from insan kamal, perfected man. So if we want to become perfected man, we have to learn how to no longer react in robotic ways to actions that we interface with. We have to maintain a certain level of being no matter what is going on around us. In the midst of chaos, we have to sit still. In the midst of animosity, we have to be kind. In the midst of great difficulty, we have to be the ones who keep our heads and stay serene. The Buddhists say that man chops wood and carries water, and enlightened man chops wood and carries water. The point being that when you first see <clears throat> a transcendent being and a regular being, you may not be able to tell the difference. But, over time, if you watch the transcendence being interactions with others, you will be able to tell the difference. Because the transcendent being has a certain consistency of his actions that don't go askew because of circumstances around him. So we cannot let our worldly circumstances determine how we act. We have to be centered in reality and react from that place. Now in Sufism, reality is haq. Hak is the name of God, which means reality is centered in God's qualities. And we have to act from God's qualities. And when we lose our place in that kind of reaction, then we succumb to the temptations in the world to act other than godly. Of course, arrogance makes people think they're acting godly when they're not, uh, when they're acting foolishly, when they're doing bizarre, insane things. Their arrogance tells them that they're right. Bawa says, don't gossip. Uh, the prophet was asked, uh, what is gossip? And he said, talking about other people. And someone said, well, what if what you're saying is the truth? And he said, well, that's gossip. But if what you're saying is a lie, that's slander. 
So in other words, don't talk about other people. But what happens is, people who aren't centered and haven't transcended and aren't comfortable within God's qualities find reasons, rationalizations, to do what they do. So these rules apply, but they don't apply in this instance because I have a good reason that they shouldn't apply. There are no good reasons. Appropriate behavior is mandatory, and you have to learn how to do that. And if you need an example, you look to the sheikh and you see his constant equilibrium and his constant guidance of, of kindness and his constant forgiveness of the faults that are brought uh, before him. We have to be able to be this way. We have to be the ones who give kindness, not look for kindness. We have to be the ones who dole out what's necessary for other people, not the ones who are in need of other people giving to us so that we can become more whole or better. Some people walk through life expecting. The sheikh, the insan kamal, walks through life giving. So we have to learn that method of being. And to learn that method of being incorporates seeing the God in everyone that we run into and not having the prejudices that come with duality, not having the prejudices that come with seeing differences, not separating one from another, but seeing all as inclusive in God's path. A beggar came knocking at the door of a darga, and one of the dervishes got up because the sheikh was talking and went to the door and opened it and asked the beggar what he wanted. And the beggar said, I would like some bread if you could spare some. And he said, come back in an hour when the sheikh has finished talking. And he closed the door on him. And he sat down and the sheikh looks at him and said, what happened? He said, a beggar came to the door and I told him to come back later. What did he want? He wanted some bread. And uh, the sheikh said, go get a loaf of bread out of the kitchen and chase him until you find him and give him the loaf of bread. If God saw fit to give him a soul, who am I to deny him a loaf of bread? And this is the kind of attitude that we have to develop. And this is the, the way that we have to become. And if we can't become that way, if that way is constantly uh, something that we're not, then we become the imposters that the prophet was talking about. We become the ones people have to be beware of.
Uh, may Allah make it so that our hearts are inclusive, that our minds don't see separations, that the inclusivity of existence becomes apparent to us so that all are included in the way that we see things and we don't categorize people. The mind is a critic and the mind is constantly judging everything that it sees. This is good, this is bad, this is this, this is that. And so the mind has charts that categorize everything that it's encountered. If we continue to look at the world with the mind, we will continue to see duality in existence and we will continue to see differences. But if we are capable of bypassing the mind's influence on us and seeing things directly through la ilaha illallah, nothing exists but God, then we can see that everything we see is God. And if we can bring ourselves to that point where everything that we see is God, who are we going to deny? Who are we going to separate off from ourselves? Who are we going to push away? And who are we going to bring closer? It becomes self-evident that everyone is within our community, that everyone is our brother and sister, that we are connected, not to some, but to all. And once this understanding comes into our hearts, we become real people. We become true dervishes of our sheikh. We become true disciples of the truth. May that way become easy for us, and may it be what happens to each of us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.